When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, how sweet it is. Michigan State is still dancing as the Spartans advance to their 15th Sweet 16 under Tom Izzo over the weekend with wins over USC and favorite Marquette. It's a run that has restored the March magic fans are used to in East Lansing, but will it continue? We will discuss on episode 106 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, Izzo 21st, 2023. Uh, Matt, how's it going? Uh, how's the bracket doing? <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah, I, uh, quick recap. I picked Arizona to uh, to win it all for uh, really no reason at all, other than having been in Tucson before that. Um, and, of course, we know what happened. They lost in the first round. So there, there's my bracket. Although I think I had a – I think I picked uh, what? Uh, Good UConn in there, I think. And uh, Yeah, I think I had, I had a couple of them, but no. Uh, my bracket is trash like it deserved to be. As a, guy, as a guy who picked Kentucky to win it all last year, I feel you, Matt. Yeah, yeah. You and me were both in that boat, Kyle. That was a bad call on our part. But yeah, I don't understand all these Arizona picks. Like I'm like, you know, you get people fill out brackets. Everyone does. My sisters, you know, whoever. And I, you know, people who hardly watch college basketball, I see all them picking Arizona. And I'm just like confused by because I'm like, okay, yeah, you don't watch college basketball. Maybe you're a casual. You throw the game on when it's on. You definitely aren't watching Arizona because they play at like 11 o'clock at night. So I don't really understand the Arizona love but it's fine your your reasoning was good enough Matt you know you were just there so you throw him a bone I was fine with that but uh didn't understand that but yeah the ma- the madness has been alive and well uh Kyle how was Columbus seemed like there was plenty of uh Spartan support there in Buckeye land yeah uh Michigan State traveled well um I think it helped them a lot that Purdue lost because I think a lot of Purdue fans were unloading tickets for that Sunday session um to Florida Atlantic and Fairleigh Dickinson, which, as you might imagine, did not have a ton of fans there. So there are a lot of Sunday tickets up for the taking. And um, obviously, I thought it was a pretty good atmosphere um, on Sunday felt. Um, uh, Marquette traveled pretty well, too. But by the end, when Michigan State was playing well, um, they were really packing that building. And they had the Joey chance at the end, um, have enough people in the building to really kind of uh, fill that arena with chance for Joey Hauser, which was a cool emotional thing for him. Uh, it was a really good environment for sure. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that in a sec here when we, when we talk about the game more in detail, but yeah, you could definitely tell on TV uh, that the Spartan faithful had made the trip there to Columbus, obviously an easy trip. And uh, you could hear it, especially in that USC game, uh, Michigan state, you know, felt like a home game there. Um, and then Marquette, obviously Marquette, not too far either. And they had a good, a good, good following there, but 
Uh, the Spartans were making themselves heard, especially at the end there, like you said. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening here as we as we get into March. This is the first time since we've been doing this podcast that Michigan State has advanced to the Sweet 16. So nice to have a little bit more games to talk about rather than wrapping up the season here uh, in mid to mid March. Um, but we'll get to both of them. And uh, it was a big weekend, Kyle. I mean, it was uh, obviously when we looked at the draw, we just talked about them being in Columbus, how that was helpful. You looked at USC and Marquette. You looked how they matched up. You felt like they would have a pretty decent shot to compete with and potentially beat both of these teams, which obviously ended up happening. Michigan State has been to a lot of Sweet 16s under Tom Izzo, uh, Kyle. I mean, through the years, this is something that we used to just basically bank on. If they didn't make it to the second weekend, it was a complete disaster. Uh, only once since 2019, and that was the Final Four run. Is that why this one feels so different? Because it felt different when they won. The celebration felt different, both in the locker room and among the fan base. I mean, what, what do you chalk that up to? I chalk it up to, I mean, obviously me and you and fans of this program have a long memory and we know, um, and we've watched a lot of these runs before and um, it, it seems fresh to us, but it's new to all these players, um, several staff members, and, and but mostly the players, you know, and um, we talked about this leading up to it. They put a lot of pressure on themselves to make the Sweet 16, whether they said so or not. And then they and they kind of indicated it. And Tommy's will try to downplay it a little bit. But the fact is that um, these guys know the history of this program. Guys like Joey Hauser, uh, who's, you know, about 100% leaving, uh, and other guys like Malik Hall, um, and even Tyson Walker, who's only been here for a couple of years, but is an older guy. Um, they really um, – put a lot of pressure on themselves to not leave never having seen at least the second weekend of the tournament. And it was a rallying cry from the start. I mean, I was I remember talking to AJ Hogarth in the locker room afterwards and he said, man, ever since we lost to Duke um, last year, like sweet 16 has been my whole thing. And that's not to say that they don't have bigger goals and they can't win more this week, but um, getting out of that first weekend, and not being a group that uh, that never did that, um, it was a big deal. So, yeah, the celebration, maybe a little bit more so than some of the other teams that were doing that every year. Um, but I think that's fine. This was important to this team. This was a, a milestone step for this team. And, you know, they scored a seven versus two upset. You know, a lot of times Michigan State um, is, you know, pretty heavily favored in this game. But they had to beat a Big East champion, a Big East tournament champion that had lost once since January um 15th i believe it was so um it was a big upset and it was a big step for this group so i think um i think it was certainly appropriate for them to celebrate the way they did yeah i agree and it's been a while honestly since we got to the sweet 16 so i i understand the celebration um you know you're allowed to celebrate it in the moment you know 24-hour rule they talk about in in sports you know i think you can give yourself even a little bit more but obviously probably by now they're they're looking at kansas state looking at tennessee looking at florida atlantic uh trying to get prepared to win a, another mini tournament here uh kyle there's a lot of things we can look at uh to you know what drove michigan state to these two wins got off to pretty good starts in both games i thought especially against marquette um i but i look at guard play in march that's that's usually what drives you uh look no further than pen or uh, produce two freshman guards faltering a bit and now they're out of the tournament michigan state has two very experienced guards and aj hogard and tyson walker uh hogard you know he still had a couple brain farts here or there uh, obviously at the very start of the game there but overall i think he's been in control of the offense and tyson walker you know 23 points uh, against Marquette, very in control, knocking down those mid-range jumpers. And I think more and more importantly, he doesn't have a single turnover in two games. So, I mean, these, 
Uh, I think the guards, you know, we can talk about the bigs. We can talk about Joey and, and stuff like that. But uh, guard play wins in March. No, it, it completely does. And and I totally agree. Like, I think A.J. Hogarth's playing very well. You're right. He he um, he gets pickpocketed right off the opening tip against Marquette, but then turns around and um, throws an alley-oop lob to, uh, to Maya Sissoko right afterwards. So not letting it affect him. I mean, we've seen him kind of get in that malaise before from the start, but I think just snapping out of uh, a bad play quickly was huge for him. Um, and like, he's not putting up huge numbers, huge assist numbers, but I, like you said, I think he's just running the offense. Well, he's not making a lot of mistakes. He's not taking, he's taking smart shots. Like he's getting to the hoop and finishing around the rim. Like, I, I don't think, you know, pull-ups from him, um, a lot of three-pointers for him, from him or, or what they need. And I think he got a little too into that at times this season. Uh, but I think he's really playing to his strengths right now, which is, um, taking his own shot when it's there and he can get to the hoop. Otherwise kind of getting in the lane distributing. I think he's doing a really good job of that. Um, but Tyson Walker is, has been what he is this year. I think he's been a lot of what they've been missing the last couple of years, which is a go-to guy um, who kind of has that killer mentality. And it's not only at the end of the game, when I think he scored eight or 10 points in the last three minutes uh, against Marquette and really took over, but it felt like in both games, whenever the momentum started to shift towards the other team, Tyson Walker just hit a tough shot and and stopped it very quickly before it got out of hand. Um, I, I can think of several times where the building's getting loud with the other fans. You're starting to get a little nervous. And Tyson Walker just pulls up with a hand in his face from 20 feet and swishes it. And it's like, okay. And then Michigan State kind of calms down and he kind of is that presence. And then obviously what he did against Marquette, um, that's what they didn't have. And we talked so much the last couple of years about who takes – who takes the last shot, who's kind of the go-to scorer. Um, the two go-to scorers on this team are very clear uh, by this point. It's Joey Hauser and Tyson Walker, and their clutch, their score and clutch time is Tyson Walker. Not that Joey Hauser or someone else can't hit a shot, but um, that having that guy is so important in March, and Michigan State has him. Um, he's confident, and he's he's going back to New York, which will be, which will be fun. Yeah, definitely a storyline to track as we get closer to the game on Thursday. I think defensively as well, throw Jade Nakins in the conversation. You know, yeah. you, you look at the USC matchup, you're going against Boogie Ellis, 18 point per game score, gets basically completely shut down, taken out of his game. And then Tyler Kolak, Big East player of the year uh, against Marquette, really struggled uh, with Michigan State's physicality and, and length. I mean, uh, Tom Izzo's been harping on defense for a while. You know, another thing that wins in March, defense, but uh, particularly on the perimeter, I just think Michigan State, I mean, I think that's how they won, by locking down these guards. If you'd have told me that they could shoot two for 16 from three-point range in a round of 32 game and win, and win like, I mean, it got closer at the end, but win by nine, like, I, I would have called you crazy. But this is yeah. why, like, um, I mean, Tom has ever done this before. I mean, this is why in late February when they were winning games and scoring 85 a game, he was frankly kind of pissed off still um because you like that just doesn't win in the tournament you're not seeing a whole lot of um you know games in the 80s and you know upper 80s and um I mean I, mean, I think teams are shooting like 30 percent um from three-point range I saw in the tournament which I guess is the ball uh people don't like this Wilson ball they're playing with uh but anyway teams are defending really well too um and that's it's so much of, about what we saw this weekend was just classic like Michigan state and the tournament and what really hasn't been there. I mean, they, they come, they, they play their best basketball of the year. They're kind of greater than some of their parts. 
They get good guard play. They defend well. And um, Michigan State, I just thought on Sunday, was such the better prepared team. Not the, I mean, that's not to say that I don't think Marquette was that terrible that way, but like Michigan State had a good game plan, executed it well. Um, and, and time as we'll talk about, like, I got veteran guys who like really, really locked in and prepared really well. And he said he came out of their walkthroughs ahead of the Marquette game, feeling really good about it. Um, as good as he's felt in a long time about his team's preparation. So I think between that and the matchup and, and just how they, how they executed, really everybody executed well. And I, and I got to say a word for, for some of their bigs too, because I know, us and a lot of other people have been have been hard on them, but I thought Mighty Sissoko was fantastic on Sunday. Um, his offensive numbers, three for three, hit both of his free throws, but two big blocks, one with two minutes left, one with one minute left on Kohler. Um, shut the door. Uh, he, he had a few early ball screen defense struggles, but kind of overcame that, didn't let him take it out of his game. And and played to the played to the scouting report really well. And and Carson Cooper um, had a good game too against USC. So that's what you need in March. You need everybody, everybody clicking, everybody playing their roles. And this was kind of vintage, you know, win the first game, uh, do an awesome two game turnaround, be the better prepared team, and knock off somebody in the second game. I mean, it was all it was all very classic Izzo Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cooper impresses me the way he just he's very fluid out there, you know. Whereas Mahdi's mm-hmm. more like a you know, we call him a runaway train before, you know, he's just, he's just kind of wild out there. Uh, Cooper definitely feels a little bit more uh, in control out there. He just doesn't have the athletic, the pure athleticism right now that Mati Sissoko has. But I think those two have sort of worked in tandem to at least be big bodies and staying in front of guys. Again, we've talked about the matchups, having a, you know, back-to-back big or a back-to-the-basket big, not to have to go against that, I think has been helpful too. But you mentioned the three-point shooting, Kyle. Uh, you know, two for what was it, two for sixteen against Marquette, mm-hmm. and they still win the game against a really good team. Should I look at that and say, you know, it's not like they didn't have some open shots; they just straight up missed some open shots. Aikens got one in rhythm and transition and just completely missed it. Uh, that's a shot he's going to make most of the time. Sh- should I be concerned about the shooting, or should I just look at the numbers and be like, okay, they're going to find their shots? And I, should I be encouraged that they won a game only making two? Yeah, you should be thrilled that they're still alive in the tournament after going to yeah. 16, I think. Because, no, I mean, this is a good shooting team, and good shooting teams have bad days. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, be glad that they survive that and that anytime they go out that they're liable to hit 10 or 11 of them instead of two. And um, if they defend that way and play and can hit threes, then then watch out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is if this was a team that had been really shaky shooting all year and had issues with confidence or something, then I'd say, yeah, um, maybe be concerned about it. But um, <laughs> those guys didn't lose any confidence shooting that way. Um, they're going to come out on Thursday when they play Kansas State and, um, and, and just shoot, shoot it like regular. And, you know, it'll be Madison Square Garden where they played again this year, where everyone loves playing and shooting. Maybe haven't played the best there. But, um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't worry about that in the bigger picture. And one of those guys who are going to be shooting it is, is Joey Hauser. He went four for six against USC. Uh, crowd chanting his name as he's as he's tying his shoe there. Uh, he mentioned being pretty emotional after that, but that was a pretty cool moment, I thought. Uh, one of those classic Michigan State uh, March Madness moments. Uh, what was Joey's reaction after the game? He was he was like kind of shocked. If if you remember when it happened, he his shoe came off. He like fell around the baseline and his shoe was untied, and he ends up kind of just taking a second. 
and taking it off and retying it. And, and during that little stoppage, he's like getting chanted for like, well, like tying a shoe, basically, which is kind of funny in a way. But they were chanting for him because he played an awesome game. And I think people people have really come to appreciate him um, and how he plays the game and what he's brought to Michigan State. And yeah, I mean, the whole bigger picture, a guy that had a tough two years here was um, received a lot of, of criticism, um, maybe some warranted, a lot of it unwarranted, um, had a tough pandemic, but to see it all, see it all come together for him, I think was really special. I mean, he said, um, he said he kind of had to hold it together. There were 10 seconds left on the clock when they started the chant and he he had to inbound it and, and kind of get through that last 10 seconds. But he said, really, it was when he got off the floor that he, he said he really kind of broke down and, and people were seeing the locker room. He was, he was really emotional about it. So, um good to see and um yeah i mean shoot, i mean this is probably a conversation for another day but man joey Hauser, i know he hasn't put up big numbers in the tournament but he seems like a dude that can play at the next level um six foot he's nine he can shoot. yeah i mean i know he's got his limitations but um man you got the size you got the shooting you got you got a chance well, yeah he'll get a look for sure i mean I, I really think michigan state overall over the weekend played very well i mean really against michigan or marquette really when it went sideways was when Hogard and Sissoko got those two fouls and got the auto bench. You know, that's really yeah. a credit Shaka smart. He sort of noticed that Michigan state's main ball handlers out of the game and put in that little trap press, put a little pressure on them, sped Michigan state up, ran them off the three point line that helped Marquette get back in the game. You know, Shaka's talked time and time again about how, you know, Tom Izzo's a mentor to him. He's modeled his coaching style, his programs after Tom Izzo. Um, and you can see that respect between the two on the sidelines. So no surprise that Shaka's going to sort of try and use some tactics there. Um, but uh, I thought Michigan state really was in control most of the way. Uh, Matt, you got any general thoughts of the over, over the games over the weekend? Obviously, a pretty solid performance there. Yeah, I mean, to kind of reiterate some of the things you said to to be two for sixteen for three point from three point shoot uh, from beyond the arc against Marquette when you're the or they number three on uh, the nation in, in three point yeah. shooting percentage going into the game. Um, I think they missed thirteen in a row because ho- they were one for two to start with AJ making one. Which was the and, toughest one they shot all day. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was like a step back, pull up, like yeah. ridiculous shot. For yeah, and they didn't make another one until was Hauser on that that baseline, right? When they got the little run. Yeah, I mean. Huge one. Yeah, I just, I thought that, you know, I mean, the guard play down the stretch was really good. Was it back-to-back really tough layups by Walker and, and Hogard that were key down the stretch? And then, like you said, I thought Mahdi, you know, Played well, uh, you know, almost a double-double, eight and ten, I think. Two blocks, two steals. Um, and then, you know, I know his shot really wasn't falling, but Malik Hall, you know, he he did some things to help him win. You know, he had, you know, five rebounds. He had uh, three steals, you know, and that that offensive board at the end uh, <laughs> that got Tom a little excited there to call the timeout. I mean, yeah, just, you know, better, veteran play down the stretch, I think, you know, was was – impressive from them and, and to advance and, and you know I just they were the better team and 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 it was kind of crazy because like we mentioned the shooting and the foul trouble and, and it seemed like they were lucky to be in the game at, at certain points in time and and they weathered the storm and you know move on go to New York and so yeah uh, you know impressive uh, weekend for them overall survive in advance Matt that's what they say I, I think I do think they're going to need more scoring out of Malik Hall if they're really going to keep advancing but yeah he did some other little things you know rebounding he really can help out there more so than he has been I think he showed that with that offensive rebound that really sealed the game so uh, I was happy about that Kyle this is Tom Izzo's 16th win as an underdog in the NCAA tournament what makes him so good in these situations uh, I, I really think that 
he outprepares a lot of uh, other coaches. Um, and there's a lot of good coaches in this tournament, and he's faced a lot of good coaches. But um, you look at his second game in a weekend record, I don't know where it is off the top of my head, but it is it is very, very good. And a lot of those upsets, like the one we just saw, come in that second game. And whatever system that he has um, – However, whatever he does to prepare, I mean, his his saying is, you guys win me the first one, I'll win you the second one. Like, that's how confident he is in being able to out-prepare an imposing coaching staff. So I think that has a lot to do with it. But um, I also think that, you know, he, he motivates guys well. He kind of gets them to have that underdog mentality. I mean, there's a lot of intangibles to it because – Listen, he doesn't have the best players in this tournament. Um, I don't think Marquette was overly talented either, um, but they'll they'll run into some talent here pretty soon. Um, but he, he gets the best out of his guys, and he he really structures his whole season really around being being the best at this time of the year. Um, whether it's you know you want to talk about the the non conference schedule that they play, getting um, getting your teeth kicked in a little bit in November to get that. Um, to get that experience. I mean, shoot, they went and played Tennessee in their scrimmage. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, a reason, there's a, reason he, a reason he did that. Uh, might come in handy here in a couple of days. Um, <laughs> but then even like through Big Ten play, obviously they're trying to win a Big Ten title, but like he's got little things that he's doing throughout the year. Everything is really very focused on March and you and you can do two things at once, but um, there's always an eye towards March in this program. Um, I mean, he's um, whether it's the mentality, I mean, you hear him talking about cleaning up mistakes a lot and um, cutting down these turnovers, which they've done. Um, a lot of his stuff is is really focused on the tournament because, like, it takes a little bit of different stuff to win in like a one and done tournament. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the NBA playoffs where seven game series. Yeah, you can have a stinker, but if you're overall playing at a high level you're going to win a seven game series, you know, in the NBA one and done is it's about eliminating mistakes. And it's about um, just playing a solid 40 minutes and not, and not having a letdown like that, you know, and I think he knows what it takes to avoid that. And that's why you hear him harping so much on like, you guys can't just blow off mistakes and say, Oh my bad. And um, just turn it over and shrug. And, and, and um, that's why you see him exploding over a bunch of little stuff because he knows like, in a one-point elimination game, like that stuff, all really matters. So, and I know other coaches probably um, emphasize that too, but I, I think his record speaks for itself. I think he, he he does a better job of it. Yeah, and clearly Tom's been in the weight room because that uh, whiteboard didn't stand a chance there, and that uh, against USC just got snapped right in half there. Um, he has because those things are hard to break. Like yeah. he, um, they used to have the wooden ones, and those are things are pretty brittle. You know, you snap them, no problem. But then they switched to the whiteboard ones, or the I don't know what they are if they're plastic or fiberglass or what. Yeah. But um, the very first time after they, um, or one of the first times after they switched. Draymond was on the team and he tried to do it. I mean, that's obviously like an attention thing. He tries to do it and it doesn't break. He tries to do it again and it doesn't break. And by this time, everyone on his team's looking at him and he's really mad, obviously, but Draymond looks at him and goes, coach, you better get in the weight room. <laughs> I love that. And everybody just cracks up and it breaks the tension. He said it actually worked because then they played well because, you know, everything broke the tension. But yeah, he's, he's got his technique down because that's not easy to do. <laughs> Um, so looking ahead, obviously, you know, when this bracket first came out, we saw a potential matchup with Kentucky. We saw a potential matchup with Duke. 
they've both been eliminated. So now you got Kansas State, Florida Atlantic, and Tennessee in front of you. Obviously, good, good, solid programs, at least in Kansas State, uh, Tennessee. Um, you know, but not ones that you would, you know, really associate with with making deep runs in March with going to the Final Four. So if you look at Michigan State's quadrant, all of a sudden they're the blue blood there. They're the team that has experience in this situation. Uh, they're the program that I see a lot of people picking now. All of a sudden. Um, so it's interesting. Kansas state is the three seed. Michigan state is currently a betting favorite. Ken Palm has it as a one point win for Kansas state. So you might as well throw the seeds out. But again, Kyle, I think a decent matchup for Michigan state, you know, Keontae Johnson's their best player, um, but not really a traditional back to the back. Bid. He's a, he's the transfer from Florida. Some of you might remember who collapsed on the court uh, a couple years ago has made a, a really good recovery and turned into an all American type player. And then their point guard is Marquise Noel, who's, uh, a, a very good player, but only five, eight. So Tyson Walker might have a size advantage for the first time all year, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> so again, here, you know, uh, Kansas state, at least on paper, you know, they do have a six ten guy uh, who, who is capable of getting some buckets there. Uh, Naquan Tomlin, who's had a pretty good tournament, but uh, at least on paper, it looks like another game. Michigan state won't have to deal with, you know, these bigs, at least they've seen in the big 10 season. You, you can feel free to disagree with this, but. I think they're happy Kansas State won over Kentucky because I agree. I know they beat Kentucky and I know Kentucky had a lot of issues this year, but man, facing Oscar Sheboy again, um, they did a good job on him the first time, but I think he's playing a lot better individually right now. Um, and it's just, I think, I think if that was the matchup, we'd be sitting here talking about, man, is Oscar going to drop 30, 35 on him? And, um, and that's it, the way that a lot of Big Ten bigs did. This year. Remember, remember that level. Kentucky game, Kyle, how like it, obviously it was double overtime. They ran that crazy out of bounds play that was almost like mm-hmm. a football play. Like, I feel like they busted out all the stops to win that game. And, and, and I really didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't want to see a team with five Kentucky pros again. No. And and she boy, you remember was hurt leading up to that. And he hadn't played and he hadn't practiced very much. So, um, I mean, we talked about it a hundred times, you know, you avoid the high level big man. So I, I think um, they'd never say it, but I'm, I think people at Michigan State were probably quietly celebrating the Kansas State over Kentucky win uh, because you're right. They do match up better. Um, you know, um, Kante Johnson, 6'6", 230. Um, you're going to hope Malik Hall can, can stick with him. And then, yeah, small point guard. And um, that's, start, that's, kind, that, that's that. kind of their bread and butter. I mean, he's talented. Um, I mean, it won't be easy, but um, size wise, I, I think they do match up pretty well. Um, and you, and you're looking at a team that hasn't been this far before. Um, you're looking at a coach who's a first year head coach um, getting to this level um, and they've had a great season, but I Kentucky's the opposite in all those ways. So I, I think that worked out well for them. Um, Tennessee would be interesting. They're, they're just, Physical is all heck, but I think Michigan State can can gear up for that. Um, that would be a, probably a first to forty five uh, sort of affair. Um, so Have we'll, the we'll, ER on speed dial if that happens, Kyle. Yeah, Tennessee beat the crap mm, out of Duke. Like, yeah, just, I think Michigan State's like tougher, you know, in terms of actually being toughness levels than Duke. They have a bunch they're of older players. too. Yeah. yeah. Like Phil Pauschy's 19, getting you know getting put on his butt by uh, by 22 year olds. Yeah. Um, European guy too. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's like an adult who was playing against Santa. I was putting him on his butt, but yeah, the one thing I look at with the Kansas state matchup specifically to not get ahead of ourselves, because Florida Atlantic can, I mean, they have 32 wins for a reason. They've been, right. they were ranked in the top 25 all year. I mean, that, I know it's Florida Atlantic, but this is a good basketball team. I mean, that I think they could have given uh, Purdue a run for the money if they would have matched up with them. And obviously they just had to beat fairly diff- Dickinson. So, and Ken Palm has that as a four point game. So, you know, Florida Atlantic could easily come out of that. 
I'd rather play Florida Atlantic. But if you're looking at Kansas State in general, uh, you know, I guess if you're looking for problem areas, they're really good at defending the three, you know, mm-hmm. top top 10 in that level. So, you know, Michigan State, they're, they're not going to be able to get to the final four if they don't start knocking down some three point shots. I guess that would be the main concern. But again, with a small point guard, you would think AJ Tyson Aikens uh, playing that physical level of defense. You would think that would would bother a five eight guy. And you know, Noel was obviously playing guys against length uh, with with Kentucky too. And but he was having to resort to crazy step back threes, and he was knocking them down. Give him credit. But if you're Michigan State, I think you're willing to give him that shot. Yeah, I think so too. And it's it's funny. I. The first team I covered um, on this beat was the 14-15 team. Um, and also went in as a seven seed when they're open versus Georgia. Knock off number two seed Virginia in the second game. And then I remember looking up after that, and I'm going to look this up real quick. They, oh, okay. So they played, I, I was looking at their bracket next, and there have been some upsets. So they play Oklahoma and the following game and then Louisville but neither of them were the one seed and you looked at it and you're like man that that seems doable um and I, I kind of had the faint, same feeling when I looked up and they had won on Sunday and I looked and it's like if Alabama were sitting out there you wouldn't feel very good um if Houston were sitting out there you wouldn't feel very good um even some other even like a UConn who's playing really well right now you know you might be nervous about something like that but um, they could certainly lose. And, and if I'm betting Michigan State versus the field, I'll take the field. But um, man, it, it feels like a for a sweet 16, a lead eight um, sort of pod, it, it feels pretty manageable for them. Absolutely. Like I said, they're the blue bun. They're the team yeah. with the coach that has been here. I mean, Rick Barnes, I'm sorry, he's a great coach, but he's a perennial choker. This is the time it changes. Florida Atlantic's never been there. Dusty May, I like their coach, but they've never been there. And Kansas State, you mentioned Jerome Tang. First year coach, Kansas State's probably the biggest, you know, surprise in the entire country this year. You know, people picked mm-hmm. them last in the Big 12 and they've been in the top 25 all year. So you wonder if these guys are like, hey, we've already accomplished a ton this year. You know, maybe we're maybe we've done enough. I don't know. I'm not sure they have the same killer instinct that Michigan State, this group should have, you know, veteran laden. Like you said, a lot to prove, a lot of their own legacy to forge here. So if you're Michigan State, I'm not going to say that they're it's a guarantee that they're going to win, but you can't draw it up much better than this with with some yeah. of the other perennial powers out of the way, including the one seed that has beat you twice with their seven four guys. So uh, if you're Michigan State, you know, I think a run is, is very much possible and you should really be thinking along that way. They're going to be at MSG uh, or sorry. I do worry about Tennessee a little bit, though, if they do get there, because Tennessee just is has length. They're long. They're the number one defensive efficiency team in the country, according to Ken Palm. So I do think Michigan State could struggle in their half court a little bit there. Then again, they're not a very good offensive team, and they just lost their point guard. So like you said, first to 45 there, if we do end up getting that matchup, and they saw each other the first game of the year. So uh, maybe a little bit of lingering memories there. But like you mentioned, they're going to Madison Square Garden. I wouldn't say it's been a great place for Michigan State, Kyle. I mean, they, they're 0-4 in the Champions Classic there. They lost to Rutgers there this year. They lost, uh, I remember a few years back, they lost a random game to Georgetown there. I think they did mm-hmm. win one game when they were the one seed in the Big Ten tournament in 18, but I believe they lost to Michigan in the semis that year, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, that's one win out of, you know, seven games <laughs> that I just pointed out recently at MSG, you know. I don't know if that matters in a completely different situation versus different teams, but uh, Michigan state's definitely due to win in the world's most famous arena. Uh, Yeah. Michigan state now has a four and 16 record 
all time at Madison Square Garden, which I mean, history doesn't really matter, but it's yeah. you wouldn't think it's that bad. And and like, yeah, and, and the, but there have been a lot of I mean, obviously, you go to the garden, you're usually playing a pretty big time match up. Um, so there have been some disappointments. I mean, people will remember the the 14 tournament um, when it was here. That team, you know, um, had been not healthy all year, but was really rolling, gets to the Elite Eight and loses to UConn there in a game that I, I mean, that was a national title good team. And I know a lot of people are still smarting over that one. So um, they'll have some some demons to exercise there. But, um, you know, it'll be it'll be fun. There'll be a lot of attention on it um, in um yeah, I mean, if you're if you're in the East Coast, um, nothing better than than postseason basketball at the Garden, I'll tell you. Hey, four uh, four sixteen at the Garden is better than uh, two of sixteen from, from three on. Uh, there you Sunday, go, right? So you got a good math. Good, good math there, Matt. I, <laughs> Matt, Matt, I thought you were going to bust out uh, Michigan State football's record west of the Rocky Mountains. I thought no, 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 no. <laughs> but I, I would like to point out since I. I Took a hard time for uh, picking Arizona. My sleeper team I just looked up was Florida Atlantic. So got that going. I had them beating Purdue though. I didn't. I didn't see yeah. the uh, the tickets for knockoff. But um, yeah, I, I. But I. I just think this this matchup on Thursday is really interesting because they're kind of polar opposites from just you know a thirty thousand foot view. You got Tom Izzo, you know, twenty five straight, uh, you know, tournaments, and uh, you know Jerome Tang who isn't his first year as a college head coach, you know, he's got all that experience for Butler. So it's not like he doesn't know what the state Baylor, I'm sorry, not Butler. It's not like he doesn't know what the stage is like, but they had two returning players from last year's team. They on on a, on a, for a program that had three straight losing seasons with Bruce Weber and then only returned two guys and go heavy into the portal, which I don't think we need to rehash Tom's, uh, you know, philosophy on building a program and, and using it heavily with the portal. But I just think it's re- quite remarkable the job they've done this year. And, and yeah, I mean, even, uh, even um, one of their two returners, Noel, he's a former transfer. So he's only in his second season there. It's just, I think it's a really interesting matchup. And, and like you guys say, I think this is one that they would have liked to have seen more, more so than uh, Kentucky again, obviously. Yeah. You just can't, under, you just can't discount experience when it comes to March and, Tom Izzo has more experience than really anyone when it comes to this stuff. So uh, I just think it was a, it was a huge weekend for Michigan state in general, sort of reminding the college basketball world, you know, Michigan state's still here. You know, they've, I know they've just kind of been floating around there in the last few years, but uh, I think we felt all year, Kyle, that this team had enough juice to, to make a run in March. If they got the right matchups, we knew they had the shooting. We know they have the, the veteran uh, guys and they have the coach. So I guess this was kind of just like a weekend where Michigan state sort of, uh, you know, reminded the college basketball world, hey, we're still here, you know. Well, it's the consistency, too. Like, like, like when they were playing well, I think we knew that they were a Sweet 16 type team, but they'd play like a Sweet 16 team, and then they'd play like an NIT team the next game, you know, and they kind of go back and forth. And so my biggest question is, uh, can they string together games? And it's only two, but they strung together two very good games over the weekend. So that's the question. Can they keep, can they keep playing at this level and avoid the lockdown? And Spartan fans won't have to wait long. Michigan State, the first game on Thursday. I believe it's like a 6.30 tip on TBS. Michigan State, Kansas State from the Garden. Uh, it's projected to be a close one. It's going to be obviously tense for Michigan State fans. Um, and uh, we will check it out and see if Michigan State can keep this run going. But uh, before we get out of here, um, we want to just touch on some brief football news. Pro Day took place in East Lansing. I'm not sure we need to break that down really, Matt. But uh, there is a new addition to the coaching staff. 
Yeah. So um, when we talked to Mel last week, I believe it was, all the days are getting blended together, but he had said with the loss of Brandon Jordan, he was looking to add to the secondary instead of, you know, re- hiring another pass rush specialist, which is a obviously a new, unique position. So um, he did move quickly and he hired Jim Salgado as the new cornerbacks coach, um, veteran coach, almost three decades of experience. Um, he spent the last six seasons with the Bills before getting fired. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously Bills have, have had a good uh, good team there. So um, got a lot of different experience at different levels, some low level college experience, obviously the recent NFL experience. But um, just overall, I mean, I don't think we need to rehash Michigan State's past defense problems. Uh, they need to get better. And, and this is going to be an attempt to, to do so. I think it marks another move towards Mel sort of modeling his his team in sort of like an NFL style, you know, bringing in more NFL guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both hires. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, Buran Reynolds is, was in college most recently at Stanford, the new defensive line coach, but another guy with NFL experience, you know, I think he likes, you know, I, without, you know, running off the top of my head, a lot of guys on his staff have that experience of guys that he's hired. So, you know, the NFL approach obviously is something he's talked about and the players have talked about and um, that's, that's clear. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it is going back. So this will be Mel's fourth season and it'll be the third of those four seasons in which he has two secondary coaches um, among the 10 on field assistants. And, you know, obviously we talked about before when he hired Brand Jordan, Mel took over corners last year with Harlan Barnett, obviously overseeing the secondary. So yeah, I don't, it's going to be interesting. They need to get better back there, obviously again. And, um, but yeah, there, this is week two of spring practice. Um uh, no availability because uh, the the basketball team's on a run, so uh, we, we won't be talking to anybody in football this week, but I'm sure we can touch on that again uh, next week. Yeah, there'll be more time to get into spring football and sort of talk about what we're watching mm-hmm. and stuff once the basketball season's over. So uh, is it April 15th? Is that the date that they're looking at for the game? Or yeah, yeah. So practice, still whatever it is. Well, yeah. I mean, they still haven't had a real spring game since 2019. Um, obviously 20, there's no spring practice at all because of COVID. 21 and 22, the last two years were glorified spring practices with a little, you know, live portions. And that was because they were just extremely shorthanded at certain positions. Um, 21, I believe it was linebacker and cornerback. I think they had like two cornerbacks or something really, you know, and and last year they just didn't have any, they had like five uh, offensive linemen and a couple converted uh, defensive uh, walk-on defensive linemen were over there, you know, just, filling out bodies because they had so many guys banged up. But uh, Mel last week said they had, I think he said 19 healthy offensive linemen participating in practice. So quite a difference from a year ago, but uh, yeah, TBD on whether that uh, will actually be a spring game. Um, But the way he talked about it, I kind of think it'll be like the last two years, just be my guess, especially with him emphasizing the need to stay healthy and decrease hitting and and all that stuff. I, I just, that's just my gut feeling. All right. Well, Matt, we'll stay on top of it. Kyle will be on top of the basketball team from New York City in Madison Square Garden. Starts on Thursday. They play again on Saturday if they got the win. Michigan State and Kansas State in the Sweet 16. We are very much looking forward to it. That's going to do it for today's episode of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. For Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel. I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening. Enjoy the basketball. Enjoy March. We'll talk to you next time. And go green.